Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And now, live on 670 The Score and the Odyssey app, it's Rami McLaugh, host of The Rami Show on 1250 The Fan in Milwaukee on 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. Ooh, I got big voice guy to make me an open Adam Studzinski, my producer on the other side of the glass. I like it. I like it. I have arrived. I've arrived at 670 The Score in Chicago. I am Robbie Makloff with you for the next couple hours here on The Score, broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, Adam Studzinski on the other side of the glass. And just two hours and so much to get to in the next two hours, including a visit from Patrick Nolan of the uh, Sox Machine podcast. He'll be here at 7.20 to talk well, White Sox, obviously, and Steph No, NBA writer for Sporting News, previously on the Bulls beat for the Athletic. He'll be here to talk some Bulls and NBA playoffs at 8 o'clock after what might be one of the most disappointing weekends and heartbreaking weekends in recent Chicago memory with really everybody in action doing everything they can to disappoint and break the, the hearts of Chicago sports fans. I love being on 670 to score. I grew up in the Chicago area, scorehead, diehard Chicago sports fan. And every time I get on here, it's a dream come true, man. Like like my night job is is doing stand-up comedy, and I would, I would compare it to like getting work, getting like a weekend at my favorite club. I'm like, all right, weekend at the improv. I, I love it. love it. This one is a little bit, it comes with a little bit of a sour taste after what the the Bulls and the Sox and the Cubs did. And well, the Bears just remained silent in all the activity going on in the NFL free agency leading up to the draft on Thursday. So I'm going to try and squeeze all that in here in the next couple hours. But I want I want to start off with, with some Bulls talk, and phone lines are open to you at 312-644-6767. If you want to get in, you can also shoot me a text on the Rosen Hyundai text line, Rosen Hyundai Valgonquin, bring you that. Save time, shop online at rosenhyundai.com. And you can always tweet the show at 670 the score or uh, at Rami, R-A-M-I-E is tweeting if you want to get in on a little Bulls talk. And I know Bulls fans are hurting right now and, 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 and probably a little disappointed in, in what they've seen here in the last couple games. And I get that, man. I get that. And now, now it's just a matter of time. Like the, the Bulls heads are on the chopping block and the defending champs have them in their sights. And I, I think we all now know if, if you had any hope breathed into your Bulls fandom after they e- pulled this series within one or even the series at one, 
it's it's got it's got to be taken out of you. The the wind has to be taken out of your sails, and I get that after the way that that the season started and the hope and the promise that this team showed early on. But I'm I'm here to tell you that it's it's not it's not so bad. It's not all bad. What's going on with the Chicago Bulls here? And really, honestly, you sh- you should have kind of ex- expected this. And I, I was listening earlier, and I heard that uh, Spiegel had predicted that the Bulls were going to win this series after evening it at one, and and Chris Middleton going down for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I don't know, I don't know how many people were picking them to win it, but certainly some some life was br- some some life was breathed into the optimism. Of, of Bulls fans with with that that game going their way and Chris Middleton going down you're going all right there's there's at least an opening here I don't know if we win it but there's at least an opening here and I'm sure a lot of you were right there with Matt Spiegel and, and picking this 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 Bulls team to win this series I was never there and if you've heard me throughout the season in in the the, the shifts I get here and there here on 670 to score then you probably know I was never there with this Bulls team. And this isn't a I told you so session, at least at least not in, in the sense that some of you might be thinking that this is going to be an I told you so session about this Chicago Bulls team. Because all year I've been saying about this Bulls team that they're not they're just not there yet. You know, they're 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 very good, they're they're fun, and it's been a great step in the right direction, but they're just not there yet. This wasn't a team that was a, a contender and a team that we should have been talking about in the same breath as the 76ers of the world, the Miami Heat of the world, the Boston Celtics of the world, and certainly not the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks. And as you heard big voice guys say, yes, I do come from north of the border on our sister station, 1250 AM The Fan, in Milwaukee, and I've I've taken a liking to this Bucks team, but don't don't take this as some Milwaukee bias when I come here saying that the Bulls were just never in a class with the Bucks. I'd love to be wrong about that. Bottom line is I'm not, and I've been called uh, the wet blanket about this team throughout the year, on and off the air. My guy Steve Sparky Pfeiffer, who hosts one of the shows. On the fan up in Milwaukee, he heard me on the score, and he was like, dude, what are you doing? You finally get your chance to work at the station that you grew up listening to? You're living this dream, and the first thing you're going to do is rain all over the hopes and dreams of Bulls fans? But all along, I was just calling it like I see it. You know, there are three types of sports radio hosts. You get the kind that are going to tell you exactly what you want to hear. And get you to love them that way. There's the kind who's going to tell you exactly what you don't want to hear. And rile you up and get your attention that way. And then there's the kind that I've always appreciated and try to be. And that's the kind that just tells you exactly what's on their mind. And how they think things are going to go. And I just never thought the Bulls were in a class with the championship contenders of the Eastern Conference. Or the NBA as a whole. But I always gave that with the caveat of, that's okay. It's okay that they're not there yet. Because do we remember how bad this was? And how recently it was that bad? Under the watch of Gar Foreman and John Paxson? We we really expected this thing to go to championship quality, contender quality, that quickly? The fact that they did this is remarkable. And it's something that we should all be cheering. And I know it's hard in the moment. 
I know it's really hard in the moment when the Bucks are in the process of ripping your heart out, but we should we should be able to, if not now, pretty soon look back at this thing and go, man, that was that was a good season on a lot of different levels. It was fun. It was entertaining. It was competitive. It was it was interesting basketball and meaningful basketball deep into the season. And then they just ran into a team that's better than them. That's just flat out better than them and comes with championship pedigree and comes with maybe the best player in this league. And I was listening earlier and Bill Weddington put it real, real well in talking or will, excuse me, Will Purdue. I'm sorry. I mixed those dudes up. Will Purdue put it really, really well in, in making the point that I'm making right now when he was talking with Lawrence Holmes and Dan Bernstein. The great thing about the game of basketball and about playing at this level is how the expectations change throughout the season, right? We started this season off, and I remember specifically, I said, hey, best-case scenario, the Bulls are five, maybe six, and we got to stay out of the play-in games. Well, they did that. Check it off the box. But because of that short period where they played so well offensively and defensively, our expectations changed. And the, and the, and the, 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 uh, the goalposts changed. And then the way we finished was so disappointing. And then we make the necessary adjustments and how we played in game two and we win that game and we steal a game and you did exactly what you're supposed to do on the road. And then, unfortunately, we just haven't been able to respond ever since then. I fully feel like this team's going in the right direction. And I feel good. I'm disappointed, but I feel good that I have these expectations now that, that I didn't have at the beginning of the season. And I know these expectations aren't being answered. And I know that, you know, it sounds like, that, you know, there's not a lot to be positive about, but there's actually a lot to be positive about. But the reason why we sound like that is because of how well at times this team played throughout an 82-game season that our expectations changed. We weren't just happy with this team now making the playoffs. But, again, what we've learned is how much work still needs to be done. But this is now a playoff team and should be looked at as a playoff team moving forward. So now how do you make this playoff team better so that they can compete with Milwaukee, Miami, and, and probably the hottest team right now in the NBA, the Boston Celtics? There's Will Purdue earlier today with Dan Bernstein and Lawrence Holmes right here on 670 The Score. And, and he's, he's right. It's a good thing that we had expectations for this basketball team because it wasn't that long that we didn't, that we, that we didn't have any expectations for not just the team, but the organization. It wasn't just a product on the court that we didn't have any faith or expectations for. It was the organization. It went all the way to the top that we had no faith in this organization. And again, my expectations weren't where a lot of yours were, where it sounds like Will's expectations were that, that maybe they could compete with, with a, a Bucks team. But I was, I was hoping that the Buck, that the Bulls would get one of the top four seeds because if they got one, like the Atlanta Hawks or the Toronto Raptors of the world, or even the way that the Nets look 
in their series against against the Celtics. The, I think that they they could have had a first round playoff series win before running into one of one of the more legit contenders in the Eastern Conference, and that would have been that would have been a fun and entertaining and and meaningful competitive basketball for that much longer, and also a, another big step in the right direction and and something for this team to build on. But if you told me. Three months ago, even when when the Bulls were at their hottest and DeMar DeRozan was in the discussion to, to for for the MVP, that they were going to end up in a first round playoff series with the Bucks, I would have said that's a wrap. That good night, good night, nurse, kiss the baby, cancel Christmas, what, whatever whatever expression you want to use, I would have told you it's a wrap that they weren't beating this Bucks team and they weren't beating Philly and they weren't beating Boston. But that doesn't mean that this series is a waste. And you heard you heard. Will say there at the end. Now, now, it, now the job is, or the question is, how do you catch the Milwaukee's of the world? How do you catch the Boston's of the world, or even the Philly, the Philadelphia 76ers of the world? And I think that there's there's two elements to that. One, I don't know if I don't know if anybody on this team can be the best player on a championship team, and I, we might be seeing the best of Demar Derozan. Right now, given his age, maybe another year of this you can expect. I don't know. We might be seeing the best of Vooch right now or have seen the best of Vooch right now. So unless there's another level out of Zach Levine or another level out of a healthy Lonzo Ball, I, I don't know that the best that the best player on a championship team is, is in a Bulls uniform right now because I'm a guy, and I'm not unique in this, there's the belief among a lot of NBA fans and talking heads, you got to have the best player in the series. And I don't see anybody on this team that's going to be better than Giannis anytime soon or better than Joel Embiid anytime soon or Jason Tatum or even Kevin Durant. But if you can't if you can't find a superstar on that level, really what this is going to come down to is and I know everybody loves DeMar DeRozan's game and and the old school way with which he does things and bringing back the mid-range jumper. Man, this Bulls team has to get better at three-pointers somewhere along the way because that's what this league is now. Score points in the paint and be an efficient three-point shooting team. They averaged nine made three-pointers on 26 attempts after the All-Star break. Both league lows. Last in the league in both those categories since the All-Star break. And 34.8% accuracy from that distance over that same span, 21st in the league. And in these first four games against the Bulls, and this is this is why you need to be able to shoot threes, because when you face the best teams in the league in the playoffs or throughout the season where we saw the Bulls struggle, you're going to need to hit the three to be able to keep up with them. They're shooting 28%. So if they if they can't find a superstar on the level of those guys that I just talked about, to have the best player in the team. And you're going to go with, you know, the, the the Pistons model of beating them with good team basketball and depth. They got to add somebody to this team that can hit threes or some bodies to this team that can hit threes in volume. That's, that's how the Bulls do what Will Perdue was talking about right here, right there in that clip that you just heard with Lawrence Holmes and Dan Bernstein earlier today. They got to become a better three-point shooting team somehow, somewhere, or just find a way to go and get that superstar player that instantly makes you a contender. We're gonna switch gears, talk some socks after this. 
and uh, talk with uh, Patrick Nolan of Sox Machine, the editor over at Sox Machine. He's going to join me. And then I want to talk some socks with you at 740 and try and talk you off that ledge, too. I'm, I'm here. I'm here. To, I'm here to condone, console Chicago sports fans, make you feel a little bit better about everything that went wrong this weekend. Robbie Makloff with you until nine o'clock here on 670 The Score on a Monday night. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. For a lot of fans who are right now apoplectic about what's going on, be as disappointed as you like. But this idea that you want to fire the hitting coach and you want to fire Tony and you want to fire this guy and you want to fire the front office, you want to fire everybody. Hmm. I mean, that's a little unrealistic, boys. You're 15 games in the season. You're sitting, you want to fire everybody associated with this team when a short time ago, this team had a tremendous amount of promise and still does if they can get these guys who are injured back. We're back live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Steve Stone earlier today on the Parkins and Spiegel show right here on 670 Score. You'll hear that interview in its entirety coming up at 820. I'm going to talk some White Sox with you coming up at 740. But joining me now to talk some White Sox on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is Patrick Nolan, editor over at Sox Machine. Patrick, how are you this evening, my man? I'm doing great, Rami. How are you doing? The Sox I'm doing what? today. Uh, what's that? The Sox didn't lose today, so that's exciting. 
<laughs> yeah, that's it's a nice little break, isn't it? It's a nice yeah. little break from taking L's. Where are you at with the Sox, right? Because I know you cover the team, Patrick, but I also know that you and the guys over there at Sox Machine are, are Sox fans at the end of the day. And first and foremost, how are you, I guess, is the, is the right place to start this conversation. Yeah, well, you know, it's it was certainly a frustrating week. I mean, we had a it, we knew it was going to be a tough trip. I mean, it's two road series against two are probably the two teams that are going to be the toughest division opponents. And it was honestly, you know, a stretch of seven. Obviously, they only picked six, but you know, going into that, you were thinking, yeah, you know, if you steal three of those, you come out of it not feeling that bad. You'd wind up with a uh, nine and seven record, and you'd feel like you'd still hung on to a lot of the progress you made early. But to come in there and just get outclassed by both of those teams is it's, it's really tough. And I think that, you know, I'm a little bit more worried about where this team is than I was a week ago. Are you, are you legitimately worried about where this team is? Like you, I'm sure you came in with certain expectations and you probably set a, a win mark that you were looking for from this team. Are you looking at this team and going, Oh no, they might not be the baseball team that I thought they were. I mean, that's, that's certainly possible. I mean, if we recall just last season, we thought the Minnesota Twins were going to be like a 90-plus win team, and they just bottomed out. And I think that, sure. that the specter of that is looming in my mind, and I don't think that the White Sox are necessarily going to go that route. But it is a reminder that you can be as good as you want on paper, and then, but the season still needs to unfold the way you need it to. And with all the injuries and uh, sluggish performances that we've seen across the roster, particularly on the hitting side, uh, you know, you expect that a lot of these guys are going to perform better down the road. But at the same time, the other teams in the division are not as bad as they were last season. And the margin for error has decreased a little bit. So um, certainly tough to get off to this kind of start. Ultimately, I think they'll be fine. I think they're still the favorites to win the division. But I'm less confident in that than I was a week ago. Yeah, and this I, I thought at the beginning of this season, Patrick, I don't know about you, I, I picked the Sox to win the division, but I thought it would be a tougher road there than than what a lot of people maybe maybe were expecting, Start, starting with the Twins, but I don't think I don't think Cleveland is, is anything to sneeze at. Probably not division contenders, but a team that's, that's not going to be easy to knock off, and you're going to have to see them, uh, obviously, a, a, a number of times over the course of the season. I don't think there are as many built-in wins to the schedule this season for the White Sox as maybe there were last year. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I mean, Detroit at least seems poised to be a little bit tougher. Kansas City probably should, still shouldn't be all that good, but you figured the Twins are good for a bounce back and they've made some external improvements. And then Cleveland, I mean, we had a tough time playing in Cleveland last season. They just have an onslaught of good right-handed pitchers. Righties are tough on the White Sox. And going back to last season, the White Sox have not played very well at Progressive Field. So that's that's been a little bit of a low-key house of horrors for the White Sox of late. So it is a tougher division, and the injuries, the injury bug has once again bitten the team. So it's going to be a tough road ahead. You heard you heard Steve Stone there talking on, on Parkins and Spiegel coming out of the break, and I see it. I, I hear it, Patrick, talking with Patrick Nolan, editor over at Sox Machine. The folks who want Tony La Russa gone or even want Rick Hahn gone or, or want the hitting coach fired, do you, do you think that, that's, that that is at the root of the problem, the way this team is managed or coached or even bigger picture, the way that this, this team is built, that there is something inherently wrong with this roster? 
Well, I think that the biggest problem with the roster is they've got the second lowest on-base percentage in the major leagues, which is as a result of having the lowest walk rate in the major leagues. Uh, We are not seeing the same disciplined approach that we did last season. And I know that that's getting a lot of people on Frank Menachino, but the thing is Menachino was the hitting coach last. So I, I don't know what it is that's causing them to swing at many more pitches outside the zone. But that has been a big reason that they've struggled early. Um, Yasmani Grandal in particular is somebody who was drawing walks like gangbusters last year. And then here you see him yesterday. He's, he's cutting at a face-high fastball for strike three on a full count. So it, it's been frustrating to watch these guys give away at bats. And ultimately, even though you know, we can think what we want about, uh, about Tony LaRusa, I personally don't think he's the, the right man for the job at this juncture. But, you know, we can say what we want about Rick Hahn or Tony LaRusso, Frank Menachino, but until these guys start taking better plate appearances and, and getting more guys on base and really starting some more rallies during games, uh, they're not going to go anywhere. And I look at that, and I noticed that, too, as I was, I was doing a, a, a dive into the numbers and how we got here, Patrick, and, and what you just talked about, which is more strikeouts and, and a lot fewer walks for this White Sox team than what we saw from this lineup last year. I look at that, and and like I do with a lot of things in baseball, because of the long season and the long sample size, I look at things when they're way below expectations and things when they're way above expectations, and I go, well, there's, there's a course correction coming. Whether it's better or for worse, there's a course correction coming. And given that there was no change with the hitting coach or the, the coaching staff at large, I don't think this White Sox team has changed their approach or what they're they're going up to the plate to try and accomplish. I think it's just a cold streak for them right now. And and as a group, they're not getting on base in the numbers that we see. But that probably means that there's there's a pretty hot stretch coming up pretty soon because I don't think this 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 Sox lineup or and what we saw from them last year was fluky or or, or something that that we shouldn't have believed in. No, I mean, they certainly have the talent for it. And just as cold as this last week has been, I mean, you can certainly see a stretch where they don't score fewer than five or six runs in a game. And it's definitely possible. A lot of the uh, advanced metrics have looked at how hard they've hit the ball, you know, the exit velocities and the launch angles. And we've had a lot of just missed home runs this year. And some of that might be attributed to the league-wide decrease in power, which I think there's a lot of speculation that the ball might be a little bit deadened. But, uh, you know, you got a guy like Jose Abreu who's hit the ball actually pretty square, but has wound up with a lot of warning track fly outs. And, you know, there's, it, it's, it's, I think that they're taking some good swings. And when they make contact, I think that, you know, the slugging will be there. I think the approach could improve a little bit, but uh, they're definitely hitting the ball pretty hard. So I do think a course correction is coming. And I think the question is, is it going to be strong enough for the White Sox to overtake these division foes? I know there were those that were looking for this team to go and get another bat in the free agency frenzy and the, the frenzy of activity that we saw once the lockout ended and those who wanted an arm and, those who wanted both, and and now with the way that this season has started, there there are plenty of people pointing a finger and going, "See that that's why you needed a bat, or that's why you needed an arm." Were you one of the people screaming for that be, before this season started? And, and is this proof positive when these guys go down? Of that's that's why you need that extra batter. That's why you need that depth in in your rotation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all offseason, I was begging for them to address the situation at right field and second base, and, and the starting rotation clearly was on shaky foundation with, you know, Dallas Keuchel. We didn't know what we were going to get from him, and Michael Kopech, there was a question of how many innings he would be able to give the team. Uh, but 
you know, they sold the right field. I, I was very happy with the A.J. Pollock move. I thought that was a good trade for the White Sox. But uh, that second base hole is something they've never plugged. And unfortunately, we're seeing the very worst of Leary Garcia take up most of those plate appearances. So they are clearly paying the price by having that extra void in their lineup. And at the starting rotation, I think that there was a pretty clear need for them to bring in another proven arm. But because we've seen so many starts already from Vince Velasquez, Dallas Keuchel, Jimmy Lambert that haven't gone the way we wanted to. So uh, the injuries to the starting rotation have really exposed the lack of depth they have there. And that's been behind some of the uh, more ugly games the White Sox have had. Talking with Patrick Nolan of Sox Machine for just a few more minutes here. On 670, the score, Rami Makhlouf, your host. Obviously now he, Eloy Jimenez is going to be is going to be gone for for a while, six to eight weeks, they're saying, with with a hamstring strain. And now, I mean, this is this is the second, well, actually the third season in a row that you've seen this guy missing major time with an injury. Two questions for you, Patrick. What what would you like to see them to see them do with the lineup in in the absence of an Eloy Jimenez? And at this point, are you looking at this guy and whether you want to call it bad luck or injury prone or whatever tag you want to put on it? Going, I just don't know for for all the talent and that's that's in that guy and in that bat. I just don't know that we can count on an Eloy Jimenez moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I think that health is a skill. Some guys are certainly just more injury prone, and uh, the way that Jimenez plays the outfield, he's not always all that careful with his body, um, and it's unfortunate. I mean, you know, you know, he despite his uh, happy-go-lucky manner, yeah, he's he's a guy who really wants to be out there. Clearly, has a lot of desire to play, so. Um, it's, it's just unfortunate. And, you know, he's also been hitting way too many ground balls these last couple of years. So even when he's been healthy, the production hasn't been all there. So I, I think that the way I'm approaching uh, Eloy Jimenez is that if, if he comes back this season and he winds up giving the White Sox lineup a shot in the arm, that's great. Um, but I, I think that I'm kind of operating under the assumption that anything Jimenez gives the White Sox this season is a bonus, and they're going to have to figure out a way to produce whether he's healthy or not, or whether he's producing or not. As for the lineup, I think that this is a, a big reason why getting A.J. Pollock was a huge deal, because the White Sox can still roll out an outfield of Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert, and A.J. Pollock. And that's a pretty strong outfield, especially given how well Andrew Vaughn has swung the bat of late. So I'm not looking at a, a large decrease in production there, especially with the ability to plug Gavin Sheets in at D.H., I think they're well hedged to cover it. And of course, Adam Engel is there for defensive purposes um, for the late innings. So that's going to be kind of nice. So I'm not super worried about the White Sox the cover for Jimenez right now. I just really hope he can come back and produce. What do you make of Liam Hendricks struggles early on? Because I, I was, I, I don't, I'm, I try to stay level-headed and not panic over guys when it comes to the sport of baseball, because the season is so long. And, and what I was just saying about course corrections, but relief pitchers, I mean, not just in baseball. It's one of the most volatile positions in all of sports, Patrick, when you talk about production going up and production going down. And so when, when I do see a guy come out and have the start that Patrick Nolan has, I do. there is a part of me that goes, uh-oh, is, 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 this a, is this a relief pitcher hitting a wall? Should, should that be a concern for White Sox fans right now, or do you think too early for any of that? I think it's too early to be overly concerned. I think the strikeouts are still there with Hendricks. He's still throwing the ball really hard, and he's made some good pitches despite some of the struggles. Um, the home runs are really the thing that's been that's been getting him. It's what got him last year when he blew saves, and he's obviously had some problems with that this season. Um, 
we know that in August last season, he discovered an issue where he was tipping his pitches for a little stretch, and he was able to correct that. Um, an account I like to follow on Twitter, Jake Kuda, has actually shown graphically how Hendricks has a different, it shows a different grip on the ball to the hitter on a fastball and a breaking pitch. And I'm actually going to try to watch for this myself. I haven't confirmed that in a live game, but given what we know last year about him tipping pitches, it might be possible that he's varying his delivery depending on what pitch is called. And hopefully it is that, honestly, because if he's able to just kind of correct that, he'll be able to fool hitters a little bit more again, and then he can get back to his usual dominant self. Um, so that's something I'm going to be looking at with his with his uh, relief appearances, uh, just to kind of see, see what kind of uh, look he's getting the hitters, uh, where he's showing the ball out of the glove uh, when he's uh, going through his windup. Last one for you here, since we're talking about pitchers that are, that are struggling, talking with Patrick Nolan of the Sox machine here. Rami Makloff, your host on The Score on a Monday night. I was listening earlier to The Score, and Dan Bernstein said that Dallas Keuchel right now looks DFA bad. Is he is he DFA bad, and do the White Sox have to go and – I know it's early, but go and get another starter at some point between now and the trade deadline? Well, I think that the hope is that Johnny Cueto in uh, AAA is going to be able to ramp himself up and be a more uh, reliable back-end starter. I know his first start in uh, AAA was a little bit uneven, but it's kind of the first time he's really got out there. So um, hopefully after a couple more starts, he's looking like a a more favorable option. Um, I don't think that as of right now they really need to pull the trigger. I think that they've got enough with with Lynn coming back and, and Giolito just rejoining the rotation, which was definitely a sight for sore eyes. I think they're okay for the time being. And then I think the trade deadline, they're going to have to look at where they're at in the standings. And I think that's the point at which they might want to consider anteing up for a big arm that they might want to throw in the postseason. Um, but that's the situation that they're in. Because I know that their farm system at the beginning of the season didn't look all that great. And I think they're hoping on some internal development from some of these prospects so that they have some more capital to use at the trade deadline. That's Patrick Nolan. Check out all his fine work over at Sox Machine. Dot com and Patrick, I've had you on a few times. I told you we got to simplify the Twitter handle. I'm just gonna say search for Patrick Nolan on Twitter. I think that's the easiest way to plug <laughs> your Twitter your Twitter presence. Just search Patrick Nolan on Twitter and you'll find him and all the fine work he does covering the White Sox. Appreciate the time, Patrick, as always, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And he joins me on the Circa Resort and Casino guest line. Uh, they're home of the world's largest sportsbook, Circa Resort and Casino. Is it is it time to panic? Do, we, do, do heads need to be on the chopping block for the White Sox? I think it's way too early for any of that, but I would like to talk with White Sox fans. 312-644-6767. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. You can tweet the show at 670thescore or at Rami, R-A-M-I-E, is tweeting. It's Rami Makloff with, with you on the score on a Monday night and back right after this. We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've gone too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to just keep our composure. We're back live with more Rami McLaugh on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. That was Tony La Russa in the locker room after these seven straight loss for the White Sox This yesterday. is no time to panic. This is the perfect time to panic. At the hands of the Minnesota Twins, I am Robbie Makloff with you in the Hyundai Score Studios. Adam Studzinski on the other side of the glass. Coming up 8 o'clock, get back into some Bulls talk. Steph No, he covers the NBA for uh, Sporting News, previously covered the Bulls for The Athletic. He'll be here to talk some Bulls and NBA playoffs. And hear from Steve Stone coming up 
at 820, White Sox fans. I want to talk with White Sox fans right now at 312-644-6767. Just real quick shout-out before I get into that, actually. Shout-out J.R. Smith, man. Academic Athlete of the Year at North Carolina. Where is he going to school? North Carolina A&T? And I had no idea. Adam, you said you just saw this during the break as well. Playing men's golf, using that eligibility to play men's golf and bringing home Academic Athlete of the Year with a 4.0 GPA. Good good on J.R. Smith, man. I saw that tweet and never could have predicted what I was going to read next. (laughs) (laughs) North Carolina A&T, okay. Academic Athlete of the Year, all right. 4.0 GPA, okay, that sounds about right. J.R. Smith? (laughs) Men's golf? Good for him. Normally known for, you know, having his shirt off with a bottle of something at a championship parade or not knowing how much time is left in the game or just generally looking stoned all the time. 4.0 GPA, Academic Athlete of the Year, and much to my surprise and Adam Studzinski's, apparently a college golfer, too. Not, not, only, a, not only a scholarly athlete. But a college golfer. Good on J.R. Smith, man. I really am happy for that dude. I've always been a fan, and I really am happy for that dude. But want to get into some White Sox talk. 414. I almost gave out the Milwaukee numbers. See that? 312-644-6767 is how you can talk to me. Are you panicking? Do you, do you feel like do you feel like major changes need to be made? Man, we are 15 games into the season. And already, and I I know. There are a lot of people, myself included, who are looking at the Tony LaRusa hire kind of side-eyed and probably just don't kind of don't like the guy. I'll 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 be I'll be totally upfront and honest with you as a Cubs fan and all his years with the Cardinals and just for his general demeanor and you know thinking being one of those people who thinks he wrote the book on how baseball is played and should be played. He rubs me the wrong way. So I'm not here to to necessarily Stan or 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 back Tony Larusa, but man, are we really calling for heads 15 games into a baseball season? I know, I know they've lost seven in a row, and I know things don't look good right now, especially when you're talking about the offense of this White Sox game, White Sox team. It's been 10 games, 10 games since their offense has scored at least five runs. That's that's not that's not what you expected from this White Sox team coming in, but they're six and nine right now, and they were seven and eight at this point last year. And there are certain things about this White Sox team that man, they just kind of are what they are. You know what I mean? Like I was listening to to Bernstein and and Lawrence earlier today and talking about some of the defensive struggles of this baseball team and 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 Tony LaRusa and others Saying, look, we got to get better. We we got there are certain things we just got to get better at, and that's that's what front office people and managers and coaches say all the time when they come up short in in what the ultimate goal is. We got to get better at multiple things. But if you really thought that Tony Larusa and this coaching staff was going to make this team significantly better defensively than what they were, I I I don't know why you would expect that. Major League Baseball players generally don't like learn how to catch and throw at the major league level, and and I don't, not a lot of managers or coaching staffs are doing a lot about that. Not to say that there's nothing that they can do about it, but 
you're not making a team significantly better defensively in one offseason. What, what is Tony LaRusso supposed to be out there like hitting grounders to these guys? I know they take fielding practice, but at, when you get to the majors, you're either a good defensive player or you're not. And I think Rick Hahn and, and the brain trust of the, of the Chicago White Sox kind of thought, well, yeah, we know we got some liabilities out in the field, but we're just going to mash people. We're just going to mash. We're just going to score runs. And we're just we're just going to score teams off the field. And when you go 10 games without scoring at least five runs, well, those defensive struggles are that much more magnified. All right. See, here's my frustration. And it's not a panic. I don't think that White Sox fans are necessarily panicking because I think, you know, you know, we can sit here and we can say the talent will eventually take over, and I think it will. it will. They're beat up in a lot of ways right now. Yeah, so that's not, like, I'm not worried yet that they're going to win 90-plus games, that they're not going to win 90-plus games. It's more of a frustration when you see their manager, and I, I agree with Steve Stone. It's, like, it's unrealistic to call for Tony LaRusso's head. Like, that's not happening. I get it. I'm going to bitch about it anyway. So <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, he was brought here to give them the, – the, the point was, if you're in – this isn't a Rick Hahn hire. It's Jerry Reinsdorf hire. If you're in his headspace, the point of this was to give the White Sox an advantage – right? That he was going to bring an advantage. He's one of the best managers of all time. He is no longer that. He is no longer a good manager. Pitching to Byron Buxton, who's the hottest hitter on the planet right now with a base open and extra innings. When, if you put him on and then, and then using the, and then the way he described why they pitched to him being completely irrelevant, like it's mind boggling that someone who's been around the game this long would come out, come out and say something like that. That's the frustration. He's bad at his job and continuously puts his team in bad positions. And that he is the main reason why they were struggling so much over this last weekend. Like he and is the number one reason. You can't bat Leori Garcia third or second three games in a row. What are like? You're out of your mind. <laughs> you feel better. You feel I better? Do. You got I do. That off your chest, I do. I feel yeah. a lot better, actually. Good. Good. I'm glad. And man, I don't disagree with one thing that you just said. I was watching that game yesterday, and when I saw first base open and Byron Buxton out there, who, by the way, man, not to fawn over 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 the opponent or the enemy here, but God, when Adam, when Byron Buxton is healthy, like if you're a baseball fan, that dude is just a joy to watch. Is no, he he's not? not. I hate him. <laughs> I, I spent a couple years up in Minnesota with the ESPN affiliate up there, and so I got some up-close looks, and God, is he, he's, he's one of the most entertaining players in this league. But I digress. I was watching that game yesterday, and I was going, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you pitching to this dude? Everyone look, on the, as soon everyone, as that wild pitch happened, you had to walk him. Like, every, yes, every, everyone was thinking that. And I saw his explanation as to why they chose to do that, and it, it, it didn't, it, it didn't add up to me. And there are plenty of decisions. Lurie Garcia batting in the top third of the order. I saw that and I was going, what? And they're, But they're always, and those seem like pretty egregious examples. I can't lie. And again, I'm not here to necessarily defend Tony La Russa. I'm just trying to be fair and kind of level-headed and rational 
about this whole thing. There are plenty of dis- decisions that that this guy makes where I'm I'm scratching my head or I'm I would di- I disagree and wouldn't do what I, what he's doing if I was sitting in the manager's chair. But at the same time, and not not to just not to just you know paint over everything that we just said. At the same time, this team won 93 games last year, man, and 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 this guy has a long track record of 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 winning teams of competitive teams of getting his team into the postseason and not that that that's that's a get out of jail free card for every decision that he makes that we disagree with but do you, do people really think that you got to 93 wins despite your manager and he wasn't hitting some of the right buttons wasn't pulling some of the right strings because I don't think that happens the beautiful thing about baseball whether we're talking about players whether we're talking about managers, whether we're talking about front offices, is the sample size is so big that it's kind of hard to look at a guy who's been successful and go, nah, that's not real. Or a guy who's been really bad and go, nah, that's not real. Like The, the White Sox won 93 games last year after getting out of the gates pretty slow and with some offensive struggles. And like I was just saying to Patrick Nolan of Sox Machine, and I'm going to get to your calls here, in just a minute at 312-644-6767, or you can text the show at 312-644-6767. I think there is a course correction coming. And 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 it's offensively, there is a course correction coming. Part of it is going to have to be the White Sox adjusting to getting slidered to death, as Tony Menachino, their hitting coach, put it. But I think that there are more walks coming and less strikeouts coming as we saw from this White Sox team last year. That's really the crux of their offensive problems is guys not getting on base at the clip with which they did last year. And I, I think that that's, that's going to correct itself. Again, it's going to take some adjusting. Baseball is a, a game of adjustments. And it seems like pitching staffs around this league have kind of figured out this team will crush the fastball, hit them with the sliders, hit them with the curveballs, hit them with the change-ups. And they're not, so far, not reacting well to that. So there's going to have to be an adjustment coming. But I just think that in the sport of baseball, with seasons being as long as they are, when things are really bad and you know that they're not supposed to be this bad, there's almost, you can count on a course correction coming. And I think that's happening. And I think it's way too early to be panicking. If you don't think, if you came into this season thinking Tony La Russa wasn't the guy for the job or you had your doubts about Rick Hahn and the job that he's done. I don't blame you for for having those doubts strengthened. I, I get it. But at the same time, it's way too early to panic and expect the White Sox to make any major changes with their manager or with the front office or anywhere else. I'd like to hear from White Sox fans. 312-644-6767. Paul and Elgin dialed that. Now he's on the score. It's that easy. What's up, Paul? Hey. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, yeah, I, I want to make a comment. Um, it seems to me the one constant uh, for the last, well, last year and this year is uh, the injuries. And, and I, I would like to see Herb Schneider come back. Uh, I know a lot of these guys have their own trainers, and I don't, I don't know if there's a lack of, of cooperation or communication with the Sox training staff and, and the players, trainers, but uh, just seems to me that when, when Herm was there, uh, there was less of this. There was uh, When there was injuries, he brought them back quickly, and uh, I'd like to see him come back as a consultant or, or even job back. Uh, 
last year uh, when Robert got hurt, right before that, I'd look at him and say, boy, this guy's cut like a V, you know, a great athlete, good-looking ball player. And when he came back, and you look at him now, he's still a, a big, strong dude, but he doesn't have that V-shape anymore, and I'm glad. I think he may have, you know, corrected that. Eloy looks like he hasn't missed a meal in, in you know, a long time, and I, I think uh, the training's got a lot to do with it. Yeah, I, I'm not. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I, I'm not in the building to know. And honestly, even if I was in the building, I, I wouldn't have, you know, the knowledge and the expertise to know if they should be doing things differently with the strength and training and, and nutrition and all that. But it, man, injuries certainly do seem to be to be biting this White Sox team often here for 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 two seasons running. I know we're early in this season, but for two seasons running now, it does seem. That, that injuries have, have, have been a problem for this White Sox team. And sometimes that's just luck. Sometimes you, you, you put a roster together knowing that that was a risk that you were running. And, and sometimes it, it does point to, to what the caller was talking about there, strength training, conditioning, nutritionists, all that stuff. And so may, maybe there are improvements to be made there, but I honestly, I couldn't say. And I don't know that anybody could really say who's not in the building and would actually, you know, know what they're talking about. Cause look at me, you know what I mean? I don't know what I'm talking about. Let's go to Steph. No, he covers the NBA for the sporting news. He used to cover the bulls for the athletics. So we'll talk some bulls and NBA playoffs with Steph right after this. Rami Makhlouf with you on the score on a Monday evening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.